0: And now, it's time for On The Money with your host, Dan White. Dan has been in the financial services industry for over 25 years, and he's been a featured expert in Forbes, Yahoo!, the Philadelphia Business Journal, Dow Jones Market Watch, and has appeared nationally on Fox Business News. Dan is a member of some of the most prestigious financial organizations, including the Society of Financial Service Professionals and the National Association of Insurance and Financial Advisors. In addition, he's a chartered life underwriter and a chartered financial consultant, credentials you can trust. Broadcasting from the heart of Wilmington, Delaware, here's your host of On The Money, Dan White. Great news. The U.S. economy is officially out of recession. We know this because the National Bureau of Economic Research's official recession calling committee said so last month. The economy has been in an expansion phase since last April, making the covid Uh, pandemic, the shortest recession on record at only two months. It took them a year to tell us this, but the, the NBER committee always makes these calls in hindsight, both at the beginning and end of recessions. Literally everyone could see the economy coming to a halt in March and April of 2020. The signs weren't subtle, yet it wasn't until June the 8th that they said the economy had peaked in February marking the recession's onset. So I don't blame them for waiting to see the data. You know, caution is appropriate when you talk about these types of things. But really, 15 months to affirm the economy has been expanding. Their statement was quite specific. They call April of 2020 the bottom because that month showed clear troughs in unemployment, GDP, uh, personal consumer expenditures and personal income transfers, and all this was known long ago. Welcome to the On the Money Show. My name is Dan White. This morning, I'm going to talk about some of the moves the Federal Reserve has taken and why it's time for them to end the liquidity madness. Call off, <laughs> call off the hoses. Turn the hoses off. You know, and let's uh, let's get back to normal. Uh, before I get into the program, though, I do have a, a couple of announcements. I mean, uh, this past week, I celebrated 34 years in the financial services industry. So uh, as I as I go into my 35th year, it's kind of amazing. I, I can't believe it's been that long, but I've met a lot of great people over the years. I've had the privilege of serving a lot of wonderful clients, and I just want to thank everyone for... Uh, helping me build my business over the past 34 years. Uh, we do have a giveaway today, a white paper, and this is a pretty interesting paper. It's, it's how will you get paid after you retire? Biggest concern people have today is, you know, when the paychecks stop, what replaces that paycheck? What, where are you going to draw money from? So we crafted a white paper that says how you will get paid after you retire. If you'd like to get a copy of this paper, pick up the phone and give us a call. You can reach us toll free. At 888 690 8820 Again, Triple Eight 690 8820 in Pennsylvania. It's a local call, 610-358-8942, 610-358-8942. So you know the Fed, as I as I said, they've made a lot of mistakes over the years and uh You know, their dramatic response, you know, to the COVID-19 crisis accompanied by the federal government's equally dramatic fiscal response was appropriate given what was known at that time. I mean, we have never shut the country down for two months. Uh, So it was appropriate. It was an unprecedented situation potentially threatening the economy and the financial system's core stability. They had to act quickly and aggressively, and they did. But where we can and should blame Fed leadership, though, is in the failure to recognize the time to slowly end the extraordinary measures, which are now having extraordinary and harmful side effects. So today I want to describe what is happening and tell you what I think the Fed should do, though quite frankly I have little hope that they will. And let me be clear. Not only myself, but a lot of economists believe the Federal Reserve has already made a significant policy error that can lead directly to a recession. And an accompanying fiscal policy error by the U.S. Congress could compound the Fed's error, although that remains to be seen. It is not clear what will pass Congress. But, you know, I'm going to compare this to firefighters. You know, I, I greatly admire the skill and the bravery of firefighters. I once had the personal benefit of their help. We had a fire at our house one time. I was very glad they responded very quickly. And in watching how firefighters work, I've noticed some patterns. When notified of an emergency like a high-rise fire, which could be either very serious or a mild annoyance, they assume the worst. They arrive quickly and in force, and once on scene, They decide exactly what is needed, and the chief then either calls for reinforcements or releases the extra capacity to go somewhere else. But they initially bring it all just in case. That's very prudent because lives could be at stake. What they don't do is stay on the scene in full force once the emergency is over. Now, of course, large fires can smolder for days. They might leave a small crew to extinguish any flare-ups, But they won't tie up the entire department when it may be needed elsewhere. Now imagine the Federal Reserve is our financial fire department. It got a 12-alarm call in March of 2020 and rolled out every truck it had. And that was the right response. But within a few months, or at most a few quarters later, it was clear the Fed's part of the emergency was over. I mean, COVID-19 wasn't over, and it still isn't. Nor was the economy in a great position, but the systemic meltdown risk had already passed. The fire was still smoldering, but at that point, it was mainly a fiscal fire. Fire Chief Jerome Powell, the Fed, Fed chairman, himself said so, repeatedly begging Congress to deal with unemployment and business failures more effectively. He admitted there was little else His fire trucks could do, but he kept them there anyway in the form of massive quantitative easing and keeping rates at 0%. And they are still on scene now. Now, it's several economists' opinion, this has the potential to go down as the greatest policy error in central bank history. And that's saying a lot. I mean, Arthur Burns and William Miller... Let inflation rise in the 60s and the 70s. That ranks right up there. Alan Greenspan kept rates too low for too long. Failing to better regulate the mortgage industry was a major problem. Jerome Powell's predecessors, Ben Bernanke and Janet Yellen, also kept fire trucks on scene even though the crisis was over. In fact, they even deployed additional trucks, QE2, QE3, long after the recession ended. But POW is doing this on a vastly larger scale. And that might be tolerable if these financial fire trucks were just parked and waiting, but that's not the case. They're blocking traffic, they're preventing deliveries, and they're slowing progress. The revved-up engines are spewing fumes, choking innocent bystanders. And the highly skilled firefighters are actually losing their skills as the needless deployment consumes their training time. Leaving rates at zero is financial repression. It hurts savers and retirees. Buying $40 billion worth of mortgage bonds every month to hold down mortgage rates in the midst of an extraordinarily significant rise in housing costs seems counterproductive, especially for first time home buyers. And even more egregious is the Fed seems to have assumed a third mandate. And this is going back 15, 20 years. When did the Fed have a mandate to keep the stock market up? Not only does this exasperate wealth disparity, it borders on malpractice. Because at some point, the Fed will have to take its foot off the accelerator. When that happens, the potential for another taper tantrum is significant. The Fed absolutely should not think the stock market is their responsibility. To do so, as I believe they are, sets us all up for extreme future volatility. Supply chain problems are going to get fixed, probably slower than we'd like, and eventually the fiscal stimulus will go away, and everyone will have to adjust. Monetary policy isn't the solution for that particular problem. This has to stop. The economy is growing. Unemployment, while still elevated, it's it's improving every month. Credit-worthy borrowers can easily get financing. Even if another major COVID-19 wave strikes, we have... Thankfully, progress beyond the need for economy stifling restrictions. The emergency is over, at least from the perspective of the need for quantitative easing and low interest rates. The Fed should bring its fire trucks home. Unfortunately, that's not happening, and it's having an effect on the economy. So this has been going on. This happened, you know. This happened in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. We hit the Great Recession, but this is this is just on a totally different scale. The Great Recession, if you recall, the Fed the Fed printed about eight hundred billion. The rescue package, TARP, if you will, the rescue package was about eight hundred billion dollars. COVID nineteen, we've the stimulus has totaled over six trillion dollars and interest rates really have been next to nothing for 15 years. So it's time it's time to start raising rates. Now, that might upset the stock market. That might create every time they even think about raising rates, the stock market has responded in a negative way. But again, it's not the Fed's mandate to keep the market up. Nowhere Nowhere in history does it say the Fed is supposed to keep the stock market rising. So zero interest rates are not normal. They're not normal, and they are punishing savers and retirees. Let me give you our phone numbers. Toll free. You can reach us at 888 690 8820. Again, 888 690 8820. In Pennsylvania, it's a local call, 610 358 8942. 610-358-8942. The Fed's actions have been pushing people further and further and further out on the risk scale. They're taking risks they probably shouldn't be taking. And I don't think it's going to end bad. Uh, end in a good way. Well, more on this after the break. If you're within 5 to 10 years of retirement, this message is for you. There's never been a bigger disconnect between Wall Street and Main Street. Unemployment over 15%. Unprecedented federal stimulus. Wall Street has never been more volatile. If there was a vehicle that credited you 7% up front, then grew your nest egg by 6 to 7% a year, guaranteed for the next 5 to 10 years before turning into an income stream that you cannot outlive, would you want to know about it? Call Dan White and Associates now for details. 888-690-8820. Surrender charges and other restrictions may apply. Welcome back to the On the Money Show. My name is Dan White and I am the host of your show. This morning we are talking about some of the Federal Reserve policies and why the since the crisis is over, the Fed really ought to be scaling back what they're doing from a liquidity standpoint. It's time to end the liquidity madness and and raise rates and, and just you know, kind of tighten some of the liquidity that's sloshing around the market. I mean, everyone agrees inflation would be a problem if we had enough of it for an extended period, but then the agreement kind of breaks down. You know, half the country is saying, or including the Fed is saying, oh, rising inflation is transitory. it's going to go away. The other half is saying, well, what if it persists if if they if it does persist, does that mean anything for most people? Well, the Fed has a 2% inflation target. It sounds minor, 2% inflation, but 2% annual inflation compounds to 22% higher prices over 10 years. Fed leaders think that's fine. Well, it's not fine. Even low inflation harms savers and consumers. And worse yet, the Consumer Price Index is a terrible proxy for consumer prices. It's massaged and adjusted, sometimes for good reasons, but the adjustment disguise inflation's impact on segments like housing. The cost of living grows faster than official inflation for many people, and in some cases, a lot faster. The inflation we see today is especially harmful for the lower 60% of the income and wealth brackets. And one argument to which I am somewhat sympathetic is it doesn't matter because the Fed can't generate inflation even if they want to. They've been trying and failing for over a decade. What we see now is less about Fed policy and more about pandemic-driven supply chain disruptions. And when that passes, the Fed will be trapped again. In general, a loose monetary policy, which is what we're seeing now, is by definition Inflationary. And while Powell can make a real argument about inflation being transitory, his monetary policy, coupled with an expansionary fiscal policy, is extending the period of time that we call transitory. I mean, we all know businesses are raising prices. You can see businesses, both small and large, saying so in their quarterly calls. You can also see it when you go to the store or shop online. Prices are rising. Clearly, wages are rising. And those price increases, and especially wage increases, are going to be sticky. Consumer inflation expectations are growing. Inflation fear embedding itself into the average economic mindset. That's dangerous. When people think prices are going to continue to go up, they start buying more now because they think prices will be higher later. Those of us who live through the 70s know inflation expectations have a way of becoming ingrained. So this could be a real problem. And at this point, you know, you know, Jesse Felder, he's a, he's another economist. He says the Fed might be able to afford to pursue the most aggressive monetary policy experiment in US history as long as inflation remains in check, but if inflation expectations take off, the jig is up. Because once inflation expectations become unanchored, consumer and business behavior shifts in a way to ensure it's not transitory people begin stockpiling things they fear they won't be able to get in the future due to rising prices. That pushes up prices further. It exasperates the very fears, inspiring even more stockpiling, and it becomes a never-ending cycle. At this point, the Fed would be forced to break the inflationary psychology by rapidly reversing monetary policy to something far more hawkish ...than almost any market participant can imagine today. For some perspective, the last time CPI hit 4.5% as it did last month... ...the federal funds rate was over 5% versus zero today. The facts on the ground call for the world's most powerful central bank... ...to start easing its foot off the stimulus accelerator. And by refusing to do so the Fed runs a higher risk of having to slam the brakes on down the road. The longer they wait to curb inflation, the harder they will have to hit the brakes when the time comes. So at some point, inflation gets worse simply because enough people expect inflation to get worse. In the 1970s, Burns and then Miller accommodated that inflation not wanting to risk recession in order to control inflation. Then things got out of hand. And rather than small, controlled, tightening efforts, we needed a massive shock to the system, producing the worst back-to-back recession since World War II. That's how we got Paul Volcker. Jimmy Carter installed him in 1979 because inflation was so high. And then Volcker did what should have been done earlier – Neither Powell nor any likely successors appear eager to normalize Federal Reserve policy. This creates severe economic danger, possibly forcing the Fed toward things it doesn't want to do. There's another way to look at inflation. You know, Maybe we actually have major inflation already. Instead of CPI or PCE, it's showing up mostly in asset prices, mostly stocks, and residential real estate. Both of these asset classes have risen significantly, arguably due to nothing more than Fed policies and programs. The connection is real. Stock prices and home prices both respond to liquidity, and the Fed is stuffing the economy with as much liquidity as it can. It injects another $120 billion into Treasury securities and mortgage-backed securities every month. Recent activity far outstrips what they did during the Great Recession, which was in itself unprecedented at the time. They inject staggering amounts of liquidity, which again at the time made sense, but they overdid it. Just like the fire trucks I described are, they erred on the side of of having too much help ready. But what happened after the initial alarm is less forgivable. Instead of pulling back, they brought in even more horsepower. This is why stocks and home prices are still rising. It's not so much the near-zero short-term interest rates, although that helps, but the Fed is simply force-feeding liquidity into the economy, and it has to go somewhere. Stocks, and real estate are the path of least resistance. Now, you might say, sure, Fed officials have to know this. Why are they still pumping? That's an excellent question. We might get an answer someday, years from now, when the people making these calls are able to talk more freely. For now, we can only guess. And my best guess is that the Fed is effectively monetizing the giant and fast-growing government debt. They aren't technically monetizing it because they don't have that authority, but it amounts to the same thing. Why do that? Maybe because they think it will happen anyway and they want to minimize the economic hit. The alternative is to let the Treasury issue trillions in new debt that would push interest rates far higher. That might end the inflation threat, but it would have other very serious consequences. So as I've said on previous shows, you know, decades of policy errors leave the Fed with no good options. You know, I've told this to clients in in meetings, you know, for the last couple of years. The Fed's out of bullets. I mean, you know, if we hit a recession now, what are they going to do? Lower interest rates? All the choices they have are bad, and they can only choose the least bad. Not a good position to be in, but it's where we are. And the rest of us are with them, like it or not. And I've been critical during the last period of tightening with the Fed. You, know, you remember back in 2018, the Fed was both raising rates and reducing their balance sheet at the, t- at the same time. They could have done one. They could have done the other. They opted to do both. And it was a very risky two-variable experiment. Today is somewhat different. So here's, here's a strategy on what you know some people think the Fed should do. Slowly begin reducing balance sheet debt, say by 10 or 20 billion a month, and sometime early next year, begin slowly raising the federal funds rate, meeting by meeting Greenspan style. You know how this works. They go up about a quarter of a point every three months. Stop being an arm of the U.S. Treasury, which they certainly appear to be today, and let the government be responsible for its own mistakes. The Fed's primary job is to control price inflation. I think its obsession with 2% inflation is a serious mistake. It's not price stability to reduce everyone's buying power by 22% in 10 years and 50% in 36 years. It's certainly not beneficial to retirees who no longer have the ability to earn income And under the current financial repression, can't even keep up with inflation. I mean, think about it. You put your money in the bank, what are you getting, 0.1%? And inflation's running 5.5%. You're losing money. And while I know that Congress gave the Fed a mandate to maximize employment, nobody has been able to explain to me how monetary policy can do that. Yes, low rates make it easier for businesses to expand, but they also harm savers and retirees. Robbing Peter to pay Paul distorts the markets. Let me give you our phone numbers toll-free. You can reach us at 888-690-8820. Again, 888-8820. 690-8820 in Pennsylvania. It's a local call, 610-358-8942, 610-358-8942. I mean, the Fed has been playing this game for a while. It's time to stop the madness, you know, begin the tapering process, slowly start raising interest rates. probably not going to be good for the stock market, but again, their mandate was never to keep the market up. If you've got questions, we've got answers. Have a great week. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of their respective parties and not those of this show's producers or this station. Join us again for more on the money.